to the Street Sessions, the new business podcast brought to you by Street's Chartered Accountants. In this session, we'll be looking at uh, getting back to business and returning to work and furlough. Um, a number of businesses have started to open up and workers are starting to return to their employment over the last few weeks. This return has no doubt included uh, social distancing measures and other measures to ensure the safety of both workers and customers. As a consequence, many employers are now looking at their businesses and the opportunity for workers to return to their employment. I'm delighted to welcome back Anita Wynn from Best Start Human Resources, uh, who's going to talk to us about the approach to managing the return to work and the impact it has both from an employee's and employer's perspective. We're going to cover uh, the timing of the return to work. Is it straightforward and the best approach to take? Um, and what employers may need to consider and also the impact that uh, the return to work and the furlough period may have had on the wider workforce. Welcome back, Anita. If we may, can we start with, uh, we've talked about the fact that a lot of businesses are starting to open up. This will often obviously place pressure on other businesses and, and employees uh, to look at uh, returning to work. Do you think it's too early for businesses to be considering a return to work? Uh, not at all. Um, I think it, in most businesses will have spent um, the last few weeks uh, rushing around, making sure that they've got staff furloughed, they're now making the claims through the furlough portal. And we're now in a slight lull before, of course, um, we're anticipating that the government does something with, with lockdown. And so now is an absolutely perfect time to do some planning. Now, a number of business owners I've spoken to said, well, how can I plan? Because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if we're going to stay in lockdown. I don't know if it's going to completely open. I don't know what a partial lockdown might look like. But that shouldn't stop us planning at all. It just means that we might need to have more than one plan uh, so that we can possibly um, have some thoughts and ideas about various different scenarios. So, you know, continuation partial lift or full lift of the lockdown. So we might need more than one plans, but we should certainly be starting to think about it now. Do you, do you think there's a danger that many employers will just think, um, I can open the doors and um, invite my employees back and it'll be business as usual then? I do. Um, I, I think actually we've got businesses in, in two camps. You've got those who are sitting there absolutely who know that the future will either not exist at all or that the future will be extremely radically different to what they've had in the past before and have been using furlough really just to kick the inevitable down the lane, really. And then you've got other businesses who are uh, sitting there thinking, well, we'll just wait until um, the government says we can all go back to work. And they just think that, you know, we'll open up the door and everything will go back to Norman. Uh, and I think there is actually, um, there is a gap in between there that, people really do need to plan for. Um, so looking at that, if you're an employer, what things should you be considering um, as you approach or, or plan towards um, welcoming back your employees? There's, there's a large number of things you need to start planning for. And I guess if we start looking at the things that you, the sort of bigger picture things, so there's bigger picture and then there are some um, tangible uh, actions that you might need to take. So I think it's really important that um, the first thing that, that you do is you think about the objectives of the organisation. You know, what is it that it's there to do? And will those 
problems, customer problems, client problems, will, the, will those things, will they still exist? Will they still exist in the same way as they did before? Uh, so really looking at the, object, the strategy of the organization um, and considering whether or not that will be the same, whether or not this change has opened up new opportunities or different opportunities. So it's really important that we start right at the top and think about the strategy of the organization. Also in some sectors, there may be some other things you need to think about from a strategic perspective. So if you're in retail, leisure, hospitality, the social distancing measures for customers, let alone staff, may require you to have either additional staff or additional equipment, um, as well as maybe different arrangements. And if, if you think about the way the supermarkets have been working recently, that's required them to have a larger volume of staff than they would do normally. And it, you might need to consider whether or not this new business model with social distancing, uh, whether you can still do that profitably. And I think that will be particularly important to consider if you're in retail, leisure and hospitality on the smaller end, the smaller sort of independence uh, and whether or not you can do that. Um, you might need to think about whether you're going to need all of your staff and or if you're going to need all of your staff, you're going to need them in all of the roles that they did before. That might be in the next six months, next 12 months, etc. Can you financially sustain them all? So those sort of bigger picture strategic things are going to have to be thought through. And then as we start thinking about, OK, coming back, whether we're talking about coming back to the office or coming back on site or a factory, I think it's uh, very clear that social distancing um, will be required in the workplace in the short term, maybe even the medium term and, and, you know, to the end of the year to ensure that, you know, the well-being of the staff as well as well-being of customers, maybe. So, you know, there's a whole range of things we've got to think about there. We've got to think about layouts, office layouts, possibly protective clothing, increased hygiene measures, different working practices, you know, maybe the remote working has been entirely successful and you might need to look at having half your workforce back and leaving half at home so you've got the space to do the social distancing. So there's a huge number of things, practical things like that around the office that will need to be done prior to opening that door to make sure that you're, you're ready. And the other group is then also your vulnerable employees. So any employee who has been designated as high risk, so those with underlying health conditions, pregnant employees, all of those, uh, what are you going to do for those employees to either get them back to work or to keep them engaged if they're going to remain off work or working from home, etc. So there's all of those sort of elements. And then, of course, as we get nearer and nearer to opening day, we've got a communicate with staff, we've got to um, explain to them the, the new um, guidance, new processes, we might need to do a bit of training or induction back into the office. So there's a huge amount that we need to do. And that's before we even start thinking about, well, how much business will you have? Um, are your customers ready to open up again? Uh, have you spoken to your customers during this time? Have you spoken to your supply chain? There's lots of things like that that we should be doing in preparation for that day one um, open. So really, it's looking at identifying the conditions that need to be in place for an employer to um, start to open up either fully or in a transitional basis or in a, a blended working approach um, for their business, isn't it? It's saying, well, uh, you know, I need certain conditions. I need to ensure I've got the supply chain. I've got customer demand. I can sustain opening the business based on 
the finances of the business and taking these employers back. I suppose one of the questions I've got around that is there's been quite a lot of change in working practices. Um, there's obviously a group of who may have been furloughed. There's a group of workers and employees who are now working from home. And, and, and perhaps that sort of creates a challenge around, you know, what is the work that people are coming back to do? Has that changed? Does it remain the same? Or, or will they carry on working in different ways? Absolutely. And we've been actively encouraging all of our clients to think about the change that they've gone through. I mean, this experience has been extraordinary. We keep talking about, you know, unprecedented, but it really has been unprecedented. And because of that, we've had to implement change in speed and levels of change that we've never had to do before. We've had extraordinary change and usually opportunity comes out of change. And there's been lots of neg negative experiences from this, but there has also been lots of really positive changes. And we're really encouraging clients to think about the changes that have happened to themselves, the changes that have happened to their employees, but to their customers and their suppliers and the economy. And to think about how, uh, which of those changes might have brought opportunity that you can capitalize on. And um, which of those changes have worked really well and you'd like to keep going? And that could be things like remote working, use of video conferencing, reducing travel. Um, which of those changes haven't worked so well? Um, and that could be about, you know, reduced communication, reduced engagement or team focus. But what really sitting back and reflecting on all the changes that have happened so that you can make the most uh, of the positive changes and make sure that those are incorporated into whatever future that business might have. And I suppose with that, what we've seen is uh, if we're going to see some people perhaps returning to the, the place of work and some people continuing to work remotely or off site, is it is a it's possible that the greater need for establishing um, communication and understanding of that impact on the organization that it's very easy or could the risk or danger is that people because of less physical contact or, or interaction feel isolated or disengaged you know there's probably a greater need for communication in this process is there absolutely i you know i think if you talk to lots of people about how this remote working has worked i think there's a, a, a probably a majority of individuals who have been pleasantly surprised at how well it has worked and how communication has continued how people have adopted new technologies video conferencing those sorts of things however i think we have to be cautious when we look at that, because clearly the level of the, the situation around it has made that people have maybe been more accepting of change than they would do normally. They're less likely to grumble. They're grateful for being able to work and, and, and having the, the, what interaction they can have. And, not, and of course, as well, we've been working with reduced volumes of work. So we have more time to communicate. We have more time to dedicate to things. So I think it, it would be a mistake to think, oh, okay, it's worked really well during this time. We don't need to do anything else particular to make this work as business as usual. Generally, remote working can work really well. However, it requires a change to the way in which people are communicated to and with, so different types, different styles, and in particular, different frequency. But it also requires different management styles so you know remote working really requires trust 
between the manager and the employee and the organization and the employee and vice versa, the employee to the manager, etc. So the way in which we manage, and I'm talking here about setting expectations, setting objectives, monitoring work, delegating work, teamwork, collaboration, all require slightly different skills, slightly different practices. So I think it would be a mistake for businesses to just go, oh, it's worked really well during lockdown. Let's just carry this on. I think it's worth reviewing it. I think there's lots of practices that will work really well, but we will need to uh, look at communication, style frequency, but also management skills. And I think managers will need training as well. Employees need training in order to make this work long term. If we look now, um, so if you're a furloughed worker returning, is it just a simple process that you switch, um, you come to the end of your furloughed period of if that's three weeks or so, and just return to work? Is there a, any complications in the process? Is it a simple process of just um, coming off furlough and back to employment status or, or a paid employees paid status? I don't mean employed status because you remain employed. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously we've never ever had another a period like this going back to talk about unprecedented you know we've never looking back in in near history had a period where we've had large numbers of employees not working for large number a large space of time you know weeks at a time uh, whilst remaining employed so we haven't had we haven't got a something to look back on the closest comparator i would suggest would be looking at long-term sickness where you might have somebody off of work for four weeks six weeks eight weeks six months etc and it's research on long-term sickness has suggested that um, it becomes increasingly difficult for people to um, return to work once they've been away for four weeks or more and the longer that that period away from work happens the harder and harder it is for that individual to come back to work and i think you could possibly put some of that experience or that research into this case and the reason that it becomes difficult is that the individuals feel disconnected they don't feel connected to both their employer but also they don't feel particularly connected to their colleagues they individuals start to lose confidence. Um, they lose confidence in their uh, interaction with other people. They lose confidence in their ability. They, that's for some individuals, they may have a, a perceived loss of skill if this, if this goes on for, for any length of time. And particularly if we're asking people to come back to work and be maybe more flexible. Um, and also there's this sort of inertia or routine that people get themselves into once you you know that there is lots of research about it takes 21 days to set up a new routine so of course these individuals will have a new routine at home it'll be a new getting up time um, there's a there's no commute it's uh having plenty of time to do things around the house that has that then becomes a routine for them and so there is this inertia of coming out of that new routine and going back into their old routine or possibly an even an, a third routine so I actually think a quite a lot of thought does need to go into uh, how that period of time running up to the, the opening what you can do in order to make that integration again as simple as possible if we can move on um, there's news coverage of quite large employers um, looking to, unfortunately to have to make roles redundant and, and unfortunately let employees go 
uh, as a consequence of the impact of COVID-19. At the end of this furlough first of uh, this this furlough period it currently runs to the end of June, is there a risk that a lot of employees may find that uh, despite being on furlough, their role becomes redundant? Uh, and if so, how how can businesses manage that? Are there any approaches they could look to mitigate or or to uh, try and prevent the number of redundancies? I think redundancies, to be honest, are highly likely in many sectors. Um, there will be those sectors who have been uh, disproportionately impacted by a lockdown. So, you know, the obvious ones become hospitality, events, um, other leisure centres, uh, pubs, retail, those in the, and also not just those sectors, but those who supply services to those sectors. So um, catering for events, PR, marketing companies who are specialised particularly in, in uh, those particular industries. So I think for those where the, the lockdown and the virus has had a disproportionate impact, redundancies uh, are highly likely. But I think even in most businesses, will have looked at a period of time where at least three months of the year their turnover has been drastically reduced, some reduced, some to nothing. It would be daft to think that there won't be some job losses. So I think they are inevitable. Um, the amount, I think, will depend very much on how well the business has, has managed during this period of time and also what it's looking like to do post-COVID as well. There are things that uh, businesses can do as an alternative to redundancy. And that is about looking at, you know, for most businesses, the largest cost will be their staff costs. And that is why there is usually a, an immediate attraction to looking at redundancies because through one action, you can remove substantial cost to the business. However, if, if you're not looking at having to make substantial cost savings, there are areas such as looking at other types of staff related costs. So, you know, I've worked with businesses before and use these opportunities to look at things like maybe reducing holiday if you've got a particularly generous holiday, uh, reducing sickness pay, looking at overtime arrangements, maybe uh, changing a benefit expenditure, not saying necessarily removal, but maybe changing the way and do it. So looking at other staff related costs and, and trimming those. And it's surprising how much you can actually trim away without having to actually remove jobs. We could also look at reduction in hours or restructure of hours. One of the things that we know that the CIPD, the Chartered Institute of Personal and Development, have been lobbying the government on is looking at a change to the furlough scheme after June, whereby governments are the government subsidises employers for bringing people back, for bringing them back on reduced hours. So we maintain jobs, but we just reduce, we turn them, some of them into part-time jobs, for example. So um, looking at that, and sometimes uh, employees are happy in cases like this to reduce their hours or restructure their hours even. Uh, it's better than losing their job in a market where it may be very difficult for them to get new ones. Um, we're also been working with clients on other changes to terms and conditions. So things like salary reductions, they're not easy to do. Um, but they are easier to do when the alternative is redundancies. So I would actively encourage employers to look at the full range of measures and to be really open and talk to their employees, either pre-consultation or during consultation, about some of the thing, other things that they could do together in order to reduce costs, but nonetheless maintain jobs. 
And of course, things like remote working might be a way of uh, reducing costs. I, I'm, I'm not sure that we'll see hundreds of thousands of businesses completely and utterly losing their office space. But um, if you adopt a form of remote working, you may be able to reduce premises costs, which could be enough to, to help to preserve some, some roles or some jobs. If we may look now, Anita, the current period of furlough runs to the end of June. Um, I think there are some exploratory talks at government about what may continue after or what the, the shape of any support may look like at the end of June. Obviously, uh, there's, there's a balance between supporting business uh, and, and looking after employers, uh, but equally there's the cost of this support and, um, and equally the, the, the health of the nation and actually works quite important about, about our own uh, self-worth and, and, and value, etc. Do you see that uh, perhaps there may be some uh, revised furlough uh, measures put in place that perhaps the wholesale programme that's been put in place at the moment may be uh, reformatted in a way that probably reflects the changes in uh, business type and operation or do you see a continuation uh, of, of furlough as it stands at the moment? Um, I, I understand that Rishi Sunak has been spending quite a bit of time with uh, Mr Johnson this week, now he's back to work, although now with a new baby as well. Um, talk about challenges. He, I think they're looking at a number of different options. Um, I, I think it's highly unlikely that the furlough will end in June and all support for businesses with regards to employment will stop. Um, I think everyone is fully aware that um, businesses will need further support, um, but I, and I understand they're looking at various options for what that might look like. I would suggest, I don't know, I'm looking at this sort of logically, um, people are very keen to try and get the economy started again. And if we have a look at um, some of our European neighbours and, and other countries around the world, the, the opening of the economy has been absolutely critical. So I, I anticipate that we may see continuation of furlough for either everybody for a, a more limited period of time or more likely probably for selected sectors or industries. So I'm thinking along the lines of, you know, people like the airlines, um, maybe pubs, restaurants, that sort of hospitality where the government is still saying, um, you know, you can't open or you can only open in such a way that will make it almost um, unprofitable for them to do so. Uh, it may be that they limit it to size of organisation as well. Um, but as I, I mentioned earlier, I think there's a there's a growing um, sway of people asking for sort of transitional support. So, it, you know, support that encourages employers to bring employees back to work for all of the reasons we've talked about. Um, you know, it, it is good for, for employees to be at work. It's good for us um, to get them back into work. Um, but whilst recognising the fact that it's unlikely that it's just going to be turn the lights on and business as usual. So maybe supporting short time working. It's been a, a criticism of the scheme all along that there hasn't been support for keeping people at work all by on part time or reduced hours or something. So I think that, you know, we might see a change. I think it's more likely we will see a change to the type of support. But I would anticipate that support of some description will continue. Um, otherwise, I think a lot of what has has happened so far in terms of the uh, CJRS and furloughing um, may, may have been for nothing.
I think we, we've now got to a stage where what we can identify, there's a certain employers and businesses need to consider the conditions that need to be in place to start to return to business. Um, there's obviously a need to put a, a workforce plan and process into place and, and to consider what measures need to be taken to actually create an environment that is both safe and secure, but financially sound to bring back a workforce and, and to start to trade again, etc. I think the timescale seems to be about right from what you're saying. It is, it's a good start to look now. Um, at the time of recording this, we're, we're sort of nearly two months away to the end of June. Um, but actually, there's quite a lot for individuals to consider. And I suppose also what we can conclude, I think, from a conversation we've had is there's a there's a real danger that the longer people are, are, are furloughed or off work and not actively engaged in the business, the, um, the, the, the impact can be both uh, meaningful and significant, both for the employee and employer alike, uh, and, and the businesses um, need to take that into account. Um, but obviously the current measures are not going to be in place infinitum and, 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 and we, not, we do need to start to address the situation. I, I suppose in, in contrast to um, the introduction of furlough, which was probably systematic and a process that people had to um, adhere to, um, there is a need for advice generally around the, this transition, this process. Um, I'd imagine you're busy producing guides and advice for clients at the moment. Is that correct on, on what they need, may need to consider? Absolutely. Um, and, and unlike with furlough, where everything was done very, very quickly, uh, we actually do have an opportunity now to do things in a slightly more considered way if we start early enough. Otherwise, we could be in the same position. So, um, yeah, there's, and because there's lots of different areas we need to think about, people do need, that, do need to give themselves the time to look at each of those. We're producing um, a range of slightly more detailed guidance documents of the sorts of things people need to consider and talk about for each of the areas we've talked about. So, for example, mental health, business strategy, um, values and behaviours, those sorts of things. And uh, they will be available on the Streets website under the Streets HR section um, very shortly. So, you know, please have a look on there. But I'd also encourage you to, uh, to employers to, to talk, to speak to their advisors um, externally about these type of things they've got to think about, both to get technical professional advice, but also as a sounding board, um, some of the decisions and some of the, the um, considerations that have got to be made um, are going to be very emotional. And also it's going to be very hard for people who are entrenched uh, within the business to, to be able to do this alone. And so I would really actively encourage employers to reach out to their advisors, whether they are their HR consultants or their accountants or their lawyers, but to reach out to them and talk and use them as a sounding board to find out what's going on externally, but also to, um, to hear a, a, a non-emotional, independent view uh, of their thoughts and ideas. I'd also encourage um, senior managers to not do this process alone. Um, particularly business owners often feel that they have to do these things alone and that everyone is looking to them to come up with the right idea. And I think actually there is an understanding that, you know, none of us actually know what we precisely should be doing because none of us have been through this before. So I'd actively encourage senior managers to get managers involved, maybe get all employees involved in some of the planning um, 
process and, and, and use it as an opportunity to engage with employees and help them feel part of that business by setting up what do we need to do to, to bring, to create a new future. Um, it may be a very different future, but how, how can we do this together? Thank you, Nita. It's, it's great to have you join us and really, we really do appreciate your, your practical advice and guidance. Uh, thank you for joining us on this session to, uh, about returning to work. Um, thank you to you for listening. Um, if you require any further information, do visit our website www.streetsweb.co.uk or register to receive our COVID-19 business support update via our website. Um, also, do take a, a time to listen to our other podcasts, uh, all forming part of the Street Sessions. Uh, thank you for joining us on this session. Thank you.